Welcome to another edition of the 495 Podcast. I am your host, Nick Esposito. And today, there was some breaking news uh, we heard earlier this week that uh, a certain Patchogue Bedford alumni is joining a hometown team, the New York Mets. And to, to discuss this, we have his former baseball coach, Anthony Frescona, right? Nice correct? job. Look at that. Professional. And, <laughs> and then uh, my co-host originally is Michael White, but uh, he couldn't make it today. He's got much better things to do. So what? we got the next best thing in uh, Brian Harmon, our executive editor of our new Sable site, thegreatersable.com. Thanks, Nick. So today we are at newly opened Donatina Pizza Restaurant on uh, you know, West Avenue, opened in uh, November. So those at Facebook want to know where we're all at. We're at Donatina. They do have awesome pizza here. They're known for their Detroit slice. Brian, have you t- tried the Detroit pizza yet? I haven't. No. I shouldn't. We did a whole video. We did a whole video on it. The, the, I have. Yeah, it's good, right? Oh, oh my God. That's oh yes, it's fantastic. On it. it looks yeah. very good. Yeah. I haven't had a chance. I spent six years in Detroit. I don't no, did, did you yeah. really? Did. Did, did they have that, good that, pizza? <laughs> very good pizza. They, but they took pride in their Chicago pizza there. They in deep, Detroit. Yeah, the deep dish. Interesting. It was a little closer. So. And to get into a little bit of oh. a little pizza history, I actually heard that Chicago pizza wasn't even originated in Chicago. I did some background history on this. I'm a pizza historian. Oh, yeah? It, uh, Detroit? Yeah, no, it actually originated in Texas. Ah. And then uh, it made its way up north somehow. They say it's, it's but, a bigger uh, pizza. Texas has bigger things, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's come full circle here. Um, In addition to having Anthony on here, he happens to be very good friends with Brian. They ended up growing up together, and I heard there was a lot of backyard rivalries. I heard that you would smoke Brian in a few wiffle wiffle ball games, if that's correct. We played a lot of wiffle ball. It was was the time of our lives. It wasn't so much a a rivalry, and I guess it depended on who Anthony's uh, teammate was in (laughs) two-on-two. Yeah, sometimes we were teammates, all right, so all right. that was good. All right, so all right, let's get into the breaking news, how we started this whole thing off. You've been the head coach at Pat Medford's varsity program, right, for yep. ni- 19 years or so. Plethora of players that you've coached, some of them being pros, like we just mentioned Marcus Stroman. But let's talk about Stroman a little bit. Were you shocked in any way that he got traded to, to the New York Mets? I mean, it was surprising. You know, there was a lot of rumors that he was going to go, and – I was hoping he'd come to New York just so he'd be closer to go see. It's the, the trip to Toronto is, doesn't always fit into the schedule. But, um, you know, actually my daughter saw something on Instagram, and she's like, Marcus is going to the Mets. I was like, what? Really? So uh, my, my phone blew up, and uh, the first text I got was from our major rival, which is Ward Melville, which is where... Matt's pitch, Stephen Matz, who's now is also in the rotation. So, you know, we've had we've gone back and forth, me and Coach Lou from Ward Melville. We've had our battles, you know, to say, you know, some of those would have been good Facebook Live events. Um, but we've 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 come together a little bit in the in the last couple of years, growing a little older and more mature. So my first text was from him. So he said, now we can go to games together. <laughs> I was like, fantastic. You know. That. Speaking of that rivalry, though, Steven Matz uh, played against Marcus Stroman in a, in a head-to-head match, right? Right. Well, we played against each other a lot because they but were both. The same, the same but they time. pitched one time against each other. How did that which is, Which is, you know, like a legendary Long Island thing now. Yeah. 
the game, it's the, the coverage of the game got coverage. So there was actually news reports aside from the game just on the number of people that were at the game. And it was like 50-something guys and... Uh, it was unbelievable. You know, they had uh, to have two guys that were going to get definitely get drafted, both from Long Island. Uh, so that and every team sent a scout to Long Island, which you know people people don't want to drive here f- for anything. So to come in April when it's freezing cold. Um, so we saw, you know, they they saw a great matchup. Um, Who ended up winning? Uh, uh, the Melville won. Uh, Stroman struck out 14, I believe it was. Matt struck out 12 and. Their one run was scored on a drop strike three that uh, the guy scored from. There was a guy on base, and he scored. He kept running, and we mi- we didn't get the out at first. He sent them, and we missed the plate at the plate, and that was it, one nothing. And, uh, you know, it was, we had one hit. They had two hits. I think we had one hit. I think that's how it went. Being a coach for 19 years, I'm sure you've seen so many different players, all different skills. At what point do you, do you identify uh, a player on your team as this guy is just – way better than the rest or that he has potential to to, well, to really make it big i mean you can you know i mean marcus and in, in, in the case of marcus you know he was known we knew him since he was in elementary school he was he was always around um and you know their family's a local family too and we were friendly with the family and still are and uh so Marcus was really on the radar from the time he was in elementary school. You know, he could throw a football 50 yards. Like, he was always unbelievable. Whatever, so, whatever he played, he was dynamite, right? Yeah, yeah. Great three, at basketball. Great at basketball. Great at football. Um, so it was fun. I mean, some of my most fun, you know, because baseball is, you know, was what, what I was doing, you know, my thing. So it was like that was always, there was always stress in the games because, you know, when Marcus pitching, you got to win and, you know, and so it's like you don't enjoy it as much. But I got to coach him in football, and it was like, you know, Brian and I played football together, and we didn't have always the most fun playing football, I guess, during our, during our time the there. Buffalo State uh, All-Star? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. After Pat Med, yeah. After Pat Med, yeah. but in high school. So playing with, with having Marcus as a quarterback, I kind of got to be like the frustrated jock and live through him with we could call plays all over the place marcus could run around and chuck the ball 50 yards and <laughs> and it was just jv but it was it was a heck of a time did, we had fun did you beat sable those years or it wasn't middle school this was jv this was jv yeah so okay. we didn't play sable because in middle school you played sable every year i think and their, their middle school was always oh yeah 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 stacked yeah yeah but uh yeah, it was fun. So that was a good time playing him. But he was just, an, I mean, you could just see, you watched Marcus have a catch, and you just knew just that knew. this was a next-level kind of a guy. It was Marcus, your first player that you coached to go to professional, into the professional league? To get drafted, to yeah. To get drafted, yeah. Yes. Um, so what was that moment like for you when he got, uh, you know, he got when selected? He drafted. When he got drafted? Oh, the first time was cool. It was great. You know, we... You know, it was it was a real big build-up. You know, there was so much stuff going on his his senior year between the awards he won, magazine covers. How much credit can we give you? To none, <laughs> none, none. Um, let me say that a million percent. I have no credit. I like I my my saying with Marcus is, and people say because even now kids are like, well, he coached Marcus, so he's going to make you a pro. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know. You can't throw or catch. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I didn't make Marcus, right? I just didn't break Marcus. You know, I got Marcus in a nice package, and I delivered that package to the next to the next recipient, you know? So, uh, you know, we were conscious of his ability level and uh, that he was 
you know, goods to not be messed with. And, uh, not, you know, and not we, throwing too many pitches. Right. And yeah, pitch once a week. He didn't, we didn't even pitch him as a freshman, you know, which is, you know, at the time would have been a stretch because we had, you know, the time, you know, we're talking about over 10 years ago when he first came up. So you're talking about 13 years ago. It was rare that we brought freshmen to the varsity because the, the numbers were so high as far as participation, you know, and they're down all over now. But, um, but even as a freshman, he, he, he put him out shortstop, and he played short all year long. He didn't, maybe he pitched an inning or two here or there. But then when he became a sophomore, he was in the rotation. He pitched the last day of the week so that he could, you know, he could play shortstop, pitch, and then rest until the next week, you know. So we... We tried to we tried to treat him as as gently as possible and still get the most out of him. What's your relationship like with him while you you were coaching him, but also what is it like now? Uh, it was I mean coaching him he was just like he was just one of the guys you know he was I mean it was tough I feel like it was tough for him as a as a kid. The spotlight was always on because the spotlight's on you're dealing with jealousy from your teammates because why aren't they looking at me like this you know or, or, you know. And when he was younger, he's taken the place of kids that were around, but, you know, he's better, so he's playing, you know. So it was always tough. You know, it was hard to explain to the other guys, you know, that I, you know, in a way I felt bad for him because he's just doing his thing and there's going to be people that are, you know, against him, even within his own tribe, to say, because, you know, the guy, you know, high school kids are just kids, you know, they want to play, you know, or they, they're not looking at it as... Well, they, you know, they're just saying this. Hey, this this eighth grader just took my spot. You know what I mean? So, but he he was backing it up even as an eighth grader, or ninth grader. Yeah, you know, with his performance. Yeah, wasn't it was just playing on potential. No, 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 no. No, he was just this, he was just flat out awesome. You know, and I would say that I mean, if he was around now, he would. I mean, forget it. He'd be blowing people. Away. He would be. Uh, you know, he'd be up as a seventh grader. You know, with his potential now, because the numbers, like I said, the the, the level of uh, the amount of people that participate all the way up to high school has just dropped off incredibly on all the different levels. But There's, there's one thing that uh, I like Marcus for a lot of reasons, but one thing, and me and Brian were talking about this before we, uh, you know, we got on the podcast, is the chip on the shoulder that he plays with. Because I always rooted for a guy who's undersized. I mean, me, growing up in high school, I was always 5'7", five, 5'8". Yeah, yeah. I was always the short guy. So uh, Marcus, I believe, is only uh, six, six guys in MLB history to start uh, being under six feet tall. Right. So uh, That's awesome. So to be a short guy like that is is, is unbelievable. Like, uh, you know, I always rooted for him, guys like Nate Robinson, Kyler Murray, just, just the short guys in general. Yeah. But can you speak to a little bit about the chip on the shoulder that he played with? Yeah, I mean, it was always – you always heard that, that, oh, he'll never last. He wouldn't be – he's not durable enough. They only draft guys 6'3", you know, especially a righty. They only draft guys that are 6-plus. Um, you know, maybe he'll be like a middle relief guy or maybe they can, he can learn one pitch and be a closer. Like, you kind of heard that stuff. And even in college, you know, he – when you talked, it was almost like pitching was like the, the other thing he does because he played shortstop, he played second base. Um, you know, he hit – you know, he was a good athlete on the field. And it was funny uh, – I remember we went to the the Nationals pre-draft workout because he got drafted by the Nationals out of high school and then went to Duke and then got drafted again as Toronto, right? So even at the Nationals, they put him through the pre-draft workout as an infielder, you know? So he went through all of that stuff. He went through the running and the infield stuff. And it was like I had to to almost – 
I felt like the, uh, the person I hate when like parents kind of come up to the fence and be like, hey, coach, you know, you forgot about my son, yeah. you know? So I, I yeah, remember. Helicopter parents. Like a helicopter. Exactly. Yeah, right. I had the cargo shorts. <laughs> I was ready. Um, <laughs> But uh, I remember going and saying, guys, uh, I hate to overstep here, but that guy's a pitcher, too. You know, you, you don't forget to get him in. They were like, and they actually were like, oh, yeah, yeah. So then he kind of he jumped in with the pitchers at the end. You know, so it was – and I, I, you always felt it was that thing. Like, they were like, yeah, he's good, but he's too – you know, whatever. But, you know, being too short was never the thing in high school when he was pitching. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of guys, I'm sure, around that height, just regular right. kids or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. You know, that, that, that there's not many. There's not many Brian Harmons out there. No, no. <laughs> Six three. How tall are you? Six foot, six one. Six foot. Six foot. <laughs> <laughs> right out with that one. That was great. Maybe a little shy of six foot. Tiny bit. Five eleven, three well, quarters. That's funny in a because centimeter. you know go, when Marcus was going through school, we'd always lie. Oh yeah, of course. On the high side, right? Oh yeah. But now that it's a thing, we kind of make we even make him shorter than he is. You know, <laughs> oh, he was like five foot. He's out there oh, yeah, competing yeah. with these studs now. Now he's. That was always cool. The, the fire that he plays with, uh, that he, he plays with in the pros that he's shown in Toronto, people love it in Canada. You, yeah. go up to, you go up to Montreal, Quebec, I've seen his photo all over Everywhere, the place. Everywhere, yeah. And um, did he play like that in high school? Did he have that fire? Did he? Did he like the, the swag. He yeah. was like the original. Yeah, so he was swag before there was swag, okay. you know. Um, he did, you know. He just, I feel like he plays, you know, he plays baseball like a, like a like a like a point card would play you know he's kind of you know if he could if he could tell you what pitch was coming he would tell you you know and be like I, you're not gonna hit it anyway you know uh he always but he did he had he he took it personal like he didn't want kids to say that they got a hit off of him and you know they knew it meant more you know that that was their thing you know and so and i'm sure there's people everywhere in the county now that says oh yeah yeah i was the guy that got the hit off marcus that day or whatever you know but but he did. He always, you know, he worked hard and, and, and played hard. Is he a good fit to play in New York? I, I mean, I, I really think, like, I think all that stuff gets overblown as far as um, what, you know, uh, that how people are going to perceive him like, like that. I think the most important thing is the guys that he plays with are, are you know, are going to rally around him. You know, they're always going to. You know, he's so positive. He's so well-spoken. You know, he's polished. You know, he you know, he gets fired up on the mound, and I think his teammates are into that. And uh, I think New Yorkers like guys that try hard, you know. And, you're ne- you know, they hate people that coast. You know what I mean? And they got a lot of guys, in the, especially the Mets, have a history of guys that have been collecting checks, you know, for decades and – uh, pulling hamstrings yeah. and so tweaking things. Cespedes and has played a full season since he's got here. Right. He's so too busy worrying about which car he's got. Exactly. Yeah, right. Who's what he's going to drive up in that day? So I don't, whatever. Uh, you know. So that's never going to be the case. You know, Marcus is going to pitch to win, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that'll translate. You know, there's going to be. You know, maybe there's bumps in the roads here and there, but I think overall, 
people are going to see that this guy's trying, you know, he's just trying to win. So Since talking to him, and I'm sure there may be even been no indication, but has there been any chance where he said that maybe he'll try to come out to Patchogue now that he's close by to maybe, you know, give a heads up to the kids or do oh, yeah. any type he, of give it back? He's always, I'm, I, I talk to his, uh, you know, his family's still around. Yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, we kind of talk whenever, you know, whenever he's around. And if he's, if he's in the area, he's more than willing. Like he works out where we worked out, like, if, you know, and it's not like he doesn't avoid people. He comes up and says hello and he's great with the kids and all that stuff. So it's, it's cool. Like, I mean, it, I certainly wouldn't be like, hey, you know, uh, on your way to, you know, the city field, can you swing out? You know what I mean? I'm sure he's got a lot of things going on right have now. You, have you spoken? You haven't spoken to him after, since this, have you? No, 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 no. I, I, are you on texting mode with him? or? Yeah, we have all the whatever social media Tag avenues you know you can have. But uh, any kind of congratulatory note? or? Oh, yeah, I, or I, I, I sent yes, yes. I Actually, I sent him a thing because I, I was excited because now he gets the hit. So I offered. I said, listen, you know, BP is always on the table. You want to come out and take some BP? I'm ready. I'm ready to throw. If you need me to go in, you know, I still, I can still, I can still throw a meatball up there if you need to hit some out. Uh, what about uh, his, his, his younger brother? I heard that he has a, a young... A Jayden, young yeah. yeah. Jaden's on Team USA right now. He's in Taiwan. Oh, wow. So he's doing great. Yeah. Um, I, we we uh, interviewed the guy that runs Access Baseball. Which oh, Vinny. I, yeah, Vinny, yeah. which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. Yeah. And uh, Brian knows him, too, because uh, he, he's covered... Some of the stuff in our in our, our locations, but right. he was telling us that uh, Marcus's brother is going to be like one of the next big things. What, what do you expect? Yeah, no, he's he's great. He's got a great talent. He's you know works hard. Uh, again, just like you know, similar to Marcus, he does great in schools. You know, well-spoken, polite kid. Uh, you know, and he's just a great athlete. Nothing plays like, multiple sports. Nothing like Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well. He's, I have to say, he's got a little more the, the swag, athletic moves than Brian had. Brian was a little more, you know, straight ahead yes. kind of a guy. You know what I mean? He's going to keep going. You know, this His guy, cap was never tilted sideways. No, 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 no. He was on. He's running straight ahead. If you're in his way, he'll knock you over. You know, Jaden's got moves. He get around you if he has to. <laughs> Uh, let, let's segue a little bit into uh, into your life a little bit. Um, so so you grew up in Patchogue, right? So yeah, came out here in uh, my I was in fourth grade when I moved out. And uh, so from you, Queens, right? From just at Elmont. Elmont. And so you, you you coached baseball for 19 years. You also coached football, like you said. Did you coach any other sports? Um, those are the main two, yeah, football and baseball. Now, I, now I'm doing cross country, yeah, which is coming up. Coming up, getting ready. That's why I'm. You have a good class coming. I have some nice cross country. Is wonderful. I love cross country. What, what got you into into coaching? Was it always coaching Brian in your backyard, or uh, what got you into? <laughs> trying to make Brian better. I was trying. No, that was a good start. But what got you into to Brian? I was just I mean, into, <laughs> into Brian. Well, it's that smile. You know what I mean? Look at it. No, How could you not be? into Brian. <laughs> what got you into coaching? Uh, well, just, you know, just from playing as an extension from playing. And it's something I always did. Even like when I was a kid, I, if I was on the 12 year old team, I helped out with the 10 year old team. So it's something I kind of gravitated towards. And when I came out of college, I just, uh, I was lucky enough that the varsity coach and uh, the assistant, you know, I was, I was, didn't have a job yet. And they let me come around and hang around and throw BP and work out with the team. And did you play baseball in college? Yeah, I played at uh, James Madison in uh, Virginia. D uh, Division One, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, I played at Patchogue, and um, 
you know, so I got to play with some great guys. You know, we always had good teams. And uh, so I came back, and, and uh, I, when I wound up getting a teaching job, there was a, you know, coaching job opened up right away, and then I just started. I just got right into it. So you're a, a through and through Pat again. Yeah, I got so, the I got the red and black going pretty solid. Pretty so, solid. So what could you say about the development of this, this area? Oh, no, it's life, unbelievable, right? you know. Yeah, it's great. I mean. The whole town what, is what, wild. What was uh, what was your hangout spot when you were uh, yeah, when, a young? When we were, you know, there were no places to hang out. Like we had to hang out in parking lots and fields, and it was uh, you had to go, you had to be creative. You know, whose parents were away that whenever true, it was true, right? Um, yeah, there was no nobody. You went somewhere else, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you would just drive around Port Jeff like a hundred yeah, times, yeah. right? Like you just, just go up and down, up and up down the down. block. <laughs> like, well, that girl looked at me, I think. That, that, <laughs> that was the, that was the scene. That was a social scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You go to, yeah, so you drive to Port Jeff yeah. and then maybe, you know, and then a little later when you, you maybe Huntington. The parking lot over, um, what is that parking lot in front of the new Halal restaurant? Oh, uh, the one on... It used uh, to be a 7-Eleven. The one on East Main Street? Over by 112. Oh, yeah. That was like the parking lot to go meet up in. To meet and then to go from there, yeah. You just walk around town. People just met up there and... Yeah, you didn't really go around town. You don't like, go around yeah, town. Yeah, there no, was nothing, nothing here. Like, yeah, there was no. no... You know, Sweezy's was there. You know, and then Mother's Music for... Like, right, we used to... Yeah, Mother's Music. You can go to Mother's you, Music. You Dead concert tickets. You'd sleep out. But, uh... Yeah, that was it. So then we would hang out wherever it was, like wherever, you know, the, f- the fields, you yeah. know, wherever. Down at the end of uh, Row. Row yeah. was a place, yeah. Uh, so uh, at what point did you two guys connect? You guys uh, middle school, elementary uh, school, high school? Well, we, we went to middle school together, but we didn't really connect in middle school too much. I think we were in some different of the same cliques. classes. Different, yeah. Definitely different cliques. But then football. And um, believe it or not, I didn't make the, the middle school football team. Really? It was pretty small, so. You just hit that growth spurt? And, and then you, just, you just popped no, up actually, to 5'11 and 3 quarters? Actually, in 10th grade, it was our coach, uh, who later was the varsity coach, was our coach Julian, Tom Julian, who gave me a shot to, uh, to play. I hadn't made the middle school team, and he gave me a shot to give me a free ride to come on the wow. JV. Didn't cut, didn't cut really anybody, I don't think. But I ended Where up, would Buffalo be without that one move? <laughs> I ended up starting at the end of that year, and then uh, by my senior year, I was starting offense, defense. And, uh, but anyway, I think it was between it was driver's driver's ed class in the summer between 11th and 12th grade where oh, we got yeah. close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was it was driver's ed at 7:30 in the morning, and then uh, we we all rode our bikes to driver's ed, and then we would ride our bikes. A group of us, five or six of us, football players. Right, we'd have either football workouts or something, if we had it. Well, we, we would have the, it was driver's ed early in the morning, then we went and played wiffle ball all day, oh, and yeah. hung out in the pool a little bit somewhere, and then three days a week, we had football workouts that we'd all, you know, cut the day short and rode back to the high school where driver's ed was, and, and yeah. did our football workout. So and, that was our, uh, that was our little, that was our summer summer of 85. 85, yeah. And that was when uh, Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days. Yeah, 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 out, sure. Right? Or was it Born in the USA? Born in the USA. That uh, tour was going wild. Were you, uh, you know, while you were, you went to James Madison, uh, were you ever eyeing professional athletics or you just always wanted to get into coaching? Or? N- no, I, I didn't. I didn't. I was. What did you go to school for? I was a business major, marketing major, and then uh, that took, I just took a ton of sports related classes and so I had to I had a lot of when I graduated I had 
I had uh, education, I had uh, physical education, I had business, I was math. So um, when I got, I actually came back as a business teacher and then something opened up in phys ed, which I took it, I jumped at that as yeah. soon as I could. And you're going to stay there forever. Yeah, and then it was great. So, uh, yeah, I hoped, you know, I didn't, I played, uh, I played a little bit at JMU. I, I got to start. Uh, but then uh, I remember they recruited, a, uh, you know, a, an all-American kid. And I said, oh, man, this guy is the real deal. And uh, my coaching career is going to start <laughs> soon because this kid's going to keep me on the bench forever. And he was good, man. Mike Hubbard, I remember him. Mike Hubbard. And you, Anthony was a catcher. You were yeah, a catcher yeah. in college as well? Col yeah. So he was, yeah. He wanted, I think he wound up getting drafted by the Cubs, that kid. He was great. But, um. But it was all good, you know, you think about, you know, as a kid, you think, you know, that would be a great thing. I got, you know, I had some shots, had some tryouts here and there, so it was fun. Being a long, uh, a long time coach in the community, is it is it kind of funny now when you just pop around into these different, you know, now that Pat Dog's a bustling neighborhood, yeah. I'm sure you, you bump into a lot of former players. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, uh, you know, when I'm bad, you know, my kids and my wife, they all know, like, when I'm in a conversation, and, they'll, and they, they'll be like, he's got no idea, you know, because I'm going through, all right, is it a classmate? <laughs> is it a parent? Is it a kid I like, taught? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going through the Rolodex in my head, like, okay. Right. Right. You know, and then hopefully someone saves me and is like, hi, I'm, you know, my, you know, my wife, like, yeah. hi, I'm Jen. And they're like, hi, I'm, and I'm like, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's crazy because now I'm so, you know, I am, you know, we're getting old, you know. So it's like I got, you know, we got grandkids starting to come yeah. through the program. So it's crazy. Is there anything memorable about the first year you started coaching? Is there a, a player that you saw years later? Or anything about the first year of coaching that kind of uh, comes to mind? I mean, the first, the first year... Uh, I, I just remember the, the work of it all. You know, like I was so happy to get the job and just to put the work in. And I remember, um, you know, that I remember the players kind of, they came out of a tough situation before me and they were very appreciative of the effort, you know, the, the effort we made. And, and I get that a lot from that group. It's weird that those, my first two years we didn't win. You know, we, we just, they just you weren't build ready. Program. Yeah, we were building and, uh, and I'm still real close with a lot of those guys, you know, so it's which a weird thing. Usually with teams that don't win, they kind of. Yeah, just fighting amongst the locker room. Yeah, it's crazy. Bad but blood a little bit. Yeah, so a lot of those guys, like, you know, Dave Johnson is one of those guys, the guy that owns the tap room, you know, it's like, and he's, you know, he's one of the best guys I know, you know, and he's, I'm still, I'm still pro really close with him and his family and, you know, and they're all professionals now. It's so, so crazy, you know, like uh, they're having kids and that kind of stuff. I've been to so many weddings. It's it's been uh, it's been a, it's been a fun couple of years. Yeah, I can imagine there's been some wild parents in the stands. Always. Oh yeah. Well, that's the book. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah. really the book that has got to be written because, you know. The parents are nuts. There's no, there's no two way about it. You know, they're all crazy. There's very few. <laughs> they're all crazy. They're very few. Uh, but I have, that to, aren't. I have to tell you that that there are parents who get results, and then it it kind of gets to the other parents saying, "Hey, he's right." That kid. It seems like they're getting results right it, by talking to them. So then they, it snowballs. It yeah. snowballs. Yeah. yeah, they get a cult following. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we've had every. You know, we've seen everything. And then, uh, you know, I'm real active around not just with Patchog, but you know, in. Uh, in other avenues of baseball. So mm -hmm. we work for the town of Brookhaven, mm -hmm. we're supervisors and, oh, you run, know. Running leagues and stuff? Yeah, we kind of run the leagues. Yeah, so I'm, where we play, we also work for the town and we, 
and it, you just yeah, you've had some good stories. Uh, it's the people, you know, parents are nuts. Bad you know, nightmare stories. Yeah, you know, eight-year-old parents, nine-year-old mm-hmm. parents screaming at kids or screaming at umpires, like. Like, you know, like get in their like face it screaming. matters. Oh yeah, They're hammering their kid for not, you know, fielding a ground ball or you know, crying because they struck out and now they're dragging them out of the park by their hair. You know, like what crazy could you stuff. do as a coach in, in those type of situations to t- try and diffuse it? Because I, well, I can only imagine it's yeah for us. I mean, it's we, like a live grenade rolls in there. There's not much you could do, right? My yeah, it's the, well, is it right? I mean. We, as for me, like my parents, if they listen to this, they'll, they'll be rolling their eyes because they know, like, we have, we have what's called the email, you know, and as every season's going to start, they get the email. And it basically is, you know, we say the hashtag is just say yay. If you have something other than yay to say during the game, you know, keep it to yourself. Uh, and we try to keep them away from the kids as much as possible during games because, you know, especially with our younger kids, the eights and the nines, because really baseball is too hard to play when you're eight and nine years old. And, uh, you know, if, uh, imagine trying to perform any activity with your mother screaming in your ear mm-hmm. and now try to perform one of the hardest activities of all, which is hitting a baseball with, you know, mom six feet away, you know, right? Where you play games where the fences are 10 feet from yeah. home plate. It's yeah. not like a real stadium where you're out there, you know, and they're screaming at these kids instructions, you know, <laughs> get the little guys trying. To, trembling with the yeah, bat. Yeah, like, oh, elbow, knee, you know, they're like it's like a game of Twister. <laughs> And now the kid throws it. <laughs> you got to hit it. It's insane. So, yeah, the parents really, I mean, if they want to do the baby, you know, for the most part, about 95% should really just let their kid drop them at the park and drive them around the block for an hour and come back and yeah. pick them up and get them an ice cream cone, you know. Uh, as uh, you mentioned it before, um, numbers have seemed to have gone down in yeah. participation. Any estimation on why you believe that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I got a million reasons. Well, Baseball is not as cool anymore to young people? No, or? it's not that. It's not just baseball. It's, it's, right, yeah, yeah, participation and everything is down. It's because video games is up. Video games is up. Kids don't do things without their parents, you know, setting it up. You know what I mean? Like, right, we played a full summer wiffle ball league. Yeah. We never saw our parents ever. Right? We got on our bikes and we drove the town. We had parks around the area that we would spend time. And we would just, and it was it. Like, we were gone at 7 and we weren't home till nighttime. Now kids don't go unless it's organized. You know, so there's not that... You know, that passion or the love for the game just to play, to hang with your kids, your friends, you know, so. Because you're supposed to play or. Yeah, right. You, you go when you have practice, if you have practice, but you go to the game. But the thing that's really killing participation is travel, travel sports, you know, because it's so expensive. And uh, there's so much pressure put on the kids to play because their parents pay so much money for them to play. You know that they kind of lose. You kind of lose the, the yeah, and then player for it. right, and 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 then like a parent or a kid will see like, you know, if I'm not the best kid on this team, is it worth my parents to pay thirty-five hundred dollars for me to play summer baseball? You know what I mean? And so they're going to drop off along the way, 
where in the past where you played together with your buddies, your friends, you played, you played, and you were kind of happy to be part of something yeah. that was part of your hometown or part of your crew or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, and now, you know, you got these organizations that are just robbing people blind, you know, and they're under the guise of some elite travel team that's going to get your 10-year-old noticed, which is laughable that's by crazy. anybody that knows anything, yeah. you know, but people are doing it, and they're shelling out big-time money, big-time money. And, uh, you know, and here on Long Island, all these people are ripe for the picking because we have so many people, you know, that, you know, and then, and then you know, so, you know, if you come on my team and I say, well, we already got a shortstop, you got to play third, yeah. now all of a sudden, well, I'll go to that team. And then you bring your checkbook and they're not going to say no, come on in, you know what I mean? So I think it's kind of watering it down. It's so watered down that where there's so much more travel baseball, but the quality of it is terrible, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you saw that, like you said, with other sports too, right? It's not just baseball. Yeah. Football I mean, numbers are down too, probably. Yeah, the numbers of football are down. It's a different reason for football, obviously, right? Football's down, obviously, just because of the fear factor with concussions and injuries. Um, you know, because football doesn't really, that's the one sport left that's not been sucked up by travel sports. Right? Yeah, you, you can't know, really, yeah. There's no real. You can't, you, know. you can't play football more than one season in, right. in a year. Right. You got all these soccer guys, you got baseball guys that will you know, they're trying to get out of their school team to go to their travel practice or something like that in some cases. Yeah, I, I even but, remember, I used to play lacrosse, and there's always the travel lacrosse teams are always better than the school teams. Right, because you're right, you're, hand, you're cherry-picking kids from everywhere, yeah. right? So your school team, you got what you got, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, that's coaching. You know what I mean? We, you know, anybody can take 15 superstars and roll out there and play a game. You know, but you know, give me a pile of kids and let's make something out of it. Yeah. Now you're coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why the you know that's the main thing. You know, obviously kids are more sedentary. Hi. Uh, <laughs> you got a fan. Yeah. So kids, are, yeah, obviously they're more sedentary. Parents are afraid to let kids out of the house. It's expensive. You know, and, and numbers are suffering because of it. Yeah, and the leagues are just depleted, right? There's, there's not many players to to play in the leagues, in your local league. Yeah, they're right. The, the kids jump ship so soon to go to travel because they think travel. But I guarantee you, my, my little league team yeah. would have whipped up on most of the travel teams that are here now gotcha. because everybody, you played little league until, you know, and then a couple of guys went on. But now everybody plays travel. Like, yeah. travel on the younger ages is the same quality as what Little League was yeah. back in the day, you know? As far as parents goes, um, they could be crazy, as you mentioned before. Um, they could be in your face and, and all that. I'm sure you've seen it, that they've just forced these kids to play all year yeah. round. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Three, four leagues. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that contributing to injuries? Burnout. That we, yeah, burnout, injuries we haven't seen in the past. Tommy John surgeries are like an all-time yeah. high. Uh, there's been reports that there's been surgeries done in high school and middle school kids now, which is crazy. Yeah, but it, yeah, we've had we've had a couple. Yeah, you know we've had a couple. What, what do you think that's from? Just from you know, parents. Just, yeah, parents. Just it's like like Brian mentioned earlier, like they see someone with success, and they're like, they like, well, oh, to they got to do it. You know, like oh, he's having he's getting lessons. Yeah, he's, he's getting this. He's, he's getting that. Tournament. He's going to that tournament. He's, yeah, so yeah, it's exactly. like, oh, I better get my guy in the yep. lesson. Oh, he's doing that workout program over there. You know what I mean? It's like okay, 
you know, how about, how about, you know, they're nine. How about do push-ups? You know what I mean? How about go, go ride your bike, you know? And a lot of these parents, they, they're accepting of the Tommy John surgery. They well, know that's, uh, that's, that's they one of those see it's inevitable, things. so they push them through, and they get it done, and, okay, that, they got that over with, and they move on. Yeah, they get the, you know, it's that whole, you know, idea that you'll throw harder, and, you know, it's crazy. You know, and that's the other part. You know, the kids get, they get wrapped up in, I got to throw hard, <laughs> and, you know, and unfortunately that, is it as much the throwing hard or the what about the, oh, it's the overuse con contortion of the of the you know what it's just the two, it's the number of pitches curve balls or it, it's more number of pitches like the like everyone we, wants their kid to go pro yeah and they think and they really think you know you, you think 90 miles an hour is the number you got to get to you know once you get to 90 then you're in the conversation but you gotta you know you really have to be a freak of nature and and then you have to have a work ethic that's right. beyond compare. Right. You know, and uh, with everything, you know, and and you got to be smart about it and not be injured. You know, we were hearing that uh, a lot of times. We're hearing that the scouts now are, are focusing more on the Northeast for pitching, only because they can't wear them out. You know, because in the South they play all the time. You pitch and all along. Here it's like we, you know, you get forced to shut down. You got to go out of your way to overthrow a kid because. You know, you're getting lessons in December or, you know, stupid stuff like that uh, um, instead of taking the rest you need. But um, I went, we, we played a tournament just this past week. <laughs> I was with a bunch of guys that had talented kids. Most of them were dad coaches, you know, and I'm a dad coach too who happens to also coach even kids that aren't my own son, you know. But uh, I was talking to them about the MLB regulations with pitch smart and how many days you should take off after the number of pitches you throw and that stuff. They had no idea what I was talking. Like these guys were like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> like, well, for instance, your son threw 90 pitches yesterday. He shouldn't throw probably for a week. Yeah, but the playoffs are in two days. Yeah. yeah. But he's 13. Who cares? I'll buy you a T-shirt. You know what I mean? It's a lot cheaper than Tommy John surgery. But uh, but that's where they're at. You know, these people get wrapped up in winning tournaments that mean nothing. You know, like we go to see new places. You know, we make no bones about it. You know, but um, it's uh, it's just scary. You know, I don't know how. It, I, I'm hoping you, I'm hoping it's a trend. Like we've really worked hard to keep kids in Patchogue playing together if they want to. We we provide the spot for them. You know, we might win, we might lose, but you certainly don't have to pay a million dollars to play summer baseball. You know, it was one of my funnest things to do, so I hope other kids like doing it, too. Playing in, you know, high school sports, whatever, six, seven years, and high school, middle school, and I'm sure you've seen a lot, and I'd like to talk about a little bit, just like some of those kids that you have on your team that are better than the best athletically. They're just more gifted, but they kind of just never give that effort, and you just kind of yeah. see them go by the wayside. I mean, that's always the case. You know, it's always the most frustrating, right, when you, you got some athletes and they just don't want to put the work in or they don't get it or they don't even see it in themselves sometimes, you know. Um, I, the one thing I learned, though, it's like you never know what, you know, you don't know what they're thinking or what they're going through, you know what I mean? Unless you, you know, unless you really dig in every time, so, you know. There's a lot of crazy stories out there, and kids are coming from all different mm. places and their own demons and whatever's going on in their house, you know. And, you know, usually if, if that's the case, it's something, you know, if a kid's got it and he's not, you know, he's not giving it his all, there's something bigger than, you know, the game going on, you know.
and that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. You know, and that's the main thing. You know, like all these guys got to realize is they're going to be, you know, sitting at Donatina one day, you know, thinking about the couple of games they played. You know what I mean? There, it all comes to an end. You know what I mean? They're not there's the the Marcuses of the world. That's the lottery. You know, so you can't. Well, you got to set goals. But you got to be realistic, you know what I mean? You can't, that's like saying, well, my financial plan is, you know, the daily number, you know what I mean? And if I hit that every now and then, <laughs> I'm going to be okay, you know? You got to have other things to do. So hopefully the sports part of it is, you know, just part of, you know, learning about people and getting along with people and, you know, and fighting for what you want to do, you know, winning and that kind of stuff. But, you know, it comes to an end quick, you know? Yeah. And when you, when it's the end for you, when you take off your jersey, uh, your coach's jersey, I heard that you pick up uh, so some musical instruments or what? Oh yeah, that's when that's then that's the end for everybody else. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, the musician inside of you. Uh, well, the musician is being strangled by the. Uh, you know, by the showman or whatever, you know, the <laughs> egomaniac inside of me. Like, I try to keep that guy low-key during sports. Um, yeah, no, we have a band. It's They're awesome. My God, the guys that play with me are the, they're the best guys. What's the name of your band? The band's called Eddie Trap. It's an elementary school game we used to play. Me and my buddy who's in the band, we, were, we went to kindergarten together. And, uh, you know, we really just play for fun. We started with me. I had a bunch of funny songs that uh, we actually used to write some funny songs in high school. Yeah, we would write parodies uh, circa, like, uh, Weird Al Yankovic kind of stuff. Yeah, no, we wish you had your guitar on you. <laughs> I would have, listen, had I known, I really, I didn't know. I would have I got something. But uh, anyway, so we, we put together, I used to put together, like, a funny set of songs. And uh, then my band now, uh, they, they, uh, They've kind of we've expanded it so that we can we can play kind of any venue. We play a lot of benefits and we you know just do it for fun. We play a, a, a wide array of cover can you tunes. Talk about the, the the college tune. I forget the name of it. Oh, my, no, it's the baby when you're singing about your child. Oh, uh, oh, we call it the daddy. And it, oh, it's Daddy Wipe Me. Is Daddy that Wipe Me. Yeah, That's Daddy the name White. of it. Yeah. Yeah. How does that go? <laughs> How does it go? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sing it. It's really a sad song. It's my song of... I actually wrote that song when I saw some of my uh, colleagues. My kids were young, and my colleagues were sending their kids off to college. And I was. it hit me like... You know, I was yeah. up all night with my own kid, and I changed the diaper, and the poop got on me or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, and then these people, are, you know, I see my friends crying that it's it. It's over. And it was like a blink of an eye, you know. So that song is kind of a funny way to be like, enjoy the poop on the arm <laughs> while it's there, because soon it'll be your own poop, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That might be another song. Hold on a second. Wait. <laughs> Somebody get me a guitar. No, no. Uh, where can people find out more information about... Any Trap, we're on Facebook. We're playing in, uh, playing at Fat Fish on the 9th, if you want to come out. Oh. It's a beautiful place. Uh, you don't get the full experience because we keep it low-key because they don't, we don't want them to throw us off the dock. <laughs> but uh, we play all around. We'll play around Patchogue. And we, Any Alive After Fives? We have not done that yet. We have not. We yeah, play, we have to make a couple phone calls. Yeah, we got to get in on the Alive After Five. We could, we could play anything. We could play any venue. We play like three hours, four hours of music. We like to not take breaks because we feel like people leave when you take a break. Oh, so we, we play straight through. We played the Santa Toy Trot last year. We had a couple thousand people in the tent. Oh, wow. So we, we hopefully we hook that up again this year on uh, Patchogue. 
and it's fun. You know, we it's, again, it's just like a, it's just a way to be a goofball. And what do you play? Are you the singer? Guitar, I'm the front guy, the front guy, guitar. I, I mess around on the guitar, but my my uh, the other guys in my band, Jay, and uh, we got my cousin uh, my cousin Nick is the drummer. Uh, we got the Padre Frank on the bass, Frank Franzone, and my. Did, did Brian ever have pipes growing up? Were you ever? Brian? No, nah. eh, no, but not for you played. I guess I recorded a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. For you, I think a few parodies that I tried on my own. Jay Z, I gotta make his name too. Yes, you did. Wait, I know some of you. Well, let me think of your songs. It was the Rolling Stones. I think it was. Uh, <laughs> It's the woo woo, <laughs> and it was uh, it made fun of the guys, the rah rah guys. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, can he listen to this? I did one on my on my own. That was a good one, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, we had some we had some good tapes. Those tapes are out there somewhere. We got to find those things. It's very cool. Uh, the bottom of the sea, Brian. Did you did you where, where would they be? The tapes. Oh, I I, I think I don't have them. I don't have them. I gotta have some. Yeah. We gotta re-record them. <laughs> we put we put them in digital format. You know, I'd, I'd have to say I, I wanted to mention that uh, we had a little re- wiffle ball reunion of sorts last summer about this time. And, and what we, happened? We Who played won? A, I think it was a one inning game. Yeah, we played a one inning game. We got you, we the, wiped out. Was the stump rule still in uh, the play? Stump rule. He knows about the stump and the peach juice. <laughs> Most of the time we played, uh, Anthony had the, he had two stadiums at his house. Yeah, the, the front. The front, in the front yard, and you just used the road that extended his yard in the front, and then you'd go in the back where there was some trees and obstacles, and you'd have to deal with that. Yeah. But now and then we took the extra time to bike over to my house. And the first time that we went there, my mother... Yeah. She really made a big deal of it. Oh, Brian has friends coming over or something. Yeah, it was nice. So, Brian, Brian has a friend. Brian has a friend, <laughs> so, guys. So she sent my sister, who is uh, Anthony's brother's age, and so he's, she was four years younger than us at the time. She must have been petrified coming out to the yard. Yeah, with all these guys. Seventh grade, 12-year-old girl. <laughs> and she's got, she's got hot dogs and buns and, and a pitcher of some beverage. So I think Anthony must have had the first taste, and or maybe I did, and I was too embarrassed to kind of make light of what we were drinking. <laughs> but it was uh, Crystal Light peach juice. Peach juice. There you go. And it kind of became the theme of the summer. <laughs> like wherever we went, we would talk about the peach juice. And uh, it, it, Life's one, a peach. One unfortunate uh, uh, the part of my, probably why I was embarrassed to bring everybody over to my house was to play ball was that my backyard was filled with tree stumps. And because uh, we had just had the trees cut down the, the year before. And so uh, Anthony had a very creative way of dealing with this, with the tree stump. If you hit the stump, you're out. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, didn't ma- it didn't matter if it was a line drive. If you hit a bomb, if it hit the stump, you're out. <laughs> you just hit the stump, you're out. It's like the land, it's like landmines. It was like landmines. Who hit the stump the most? Doug Angle? Doug Angle. <laughs> he and then he would the, try the to kill line. somebody with <laughs> that. <laughs> anyway, I'd never seen uh, somebody hit the wiffle ball as far as I know. Far Too as bad. Yeah. If I could have made a living out of wiffle ball, I would I would have been a rich man. <laughs> and, and you had one up on Stroman there? Yes. <laughs> I yes. In fact, we did we did one year was and my the guys from the 08 squad would will attest to it. We broke the chair out at the uh, at our end of the year dinner. 
and uh, they actually commented on our post the last time, and they were like, "Don't, it's no joke, playing with Fraz. He's going to take that serious." Because the strike zone was the chair. Yeah, you hit yeah, the chair, course, yeah. strike. Which my dad swears he made this rule up in the '50s sometimes. <laughs> Everyone uses the chair. <laughs> he says he made. He's the first one. He does the founding father of wiffle ball. Yeah, no, of the chair for the strike zone. You know? <laughs> and uh, but, it, but worse than his home runs than it was, and how far he hit the ball. More difficult was the way he pitched the ball. Curveballs. Uh, it was yeah. a knuckle curve that would come whistle. in. It would just whistle in. You knew it was going to be a strike, so you had to swing at it, and it would come in at your eyebrows <laughs> and just drop. It wouldn't hit the back of the chair. It would hit the seat, the seat. of the chair. <laughs> You're good. You're or, fine. Or now and then it would hit the leg, and you'd hear the ting, and it was just. It's it, over. It was, just, it was very difficult. It, it and that's why right now fair. my shoulder is. <laughs> Shot. Is aching as we spe- as we sit here now. <laughs> but anyway, we played last year and uh, yeah, brought it back quick, man. I, I, for some reason, we were at your in your backyard, but I was the home team. Or who got a, you got up first, didn't you? Yeah, I think you pitched to me. Yeah, and uh, he scored nine runs. It was really a lot good memory. We got it. We got to. We got to wrap it. We got. We got to wrap this up. Donatina starts. Uh, starts. Start, crazy start, start in picking here. Picking up. It's 6:45, a quarter to seven on. Uh, what's the, today's Wednesday, July uh, 31st. Yeah. Yes. August tomorrow. August tomorrow. But Coach Anthony Frescona. Yeah, man. Frescona. Frescona. I had a great time. Frescona. Frescona. Thank you so much for joining All right, us man, today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Appreciate awesome. it. Anytime. And Brian, thank you for filling in as as my co-host. Will, will you be back? I'll be back for my show. Yes. Yeah. For, and I'm around time. if you ever, you know, if Brian's trapped somewhere, <laughs> if you need me to fill in now. Sure, that'd be great. <laughs> you can bring his guitar next. Oh, time. we'll do a whole set. We can do a whole segment. Pinch it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, guys. Thank you everyone for tuning in. This is the 495 podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, the whole gambit. Check us out online, GreaterLongIsland.com, and uh, you'll hear from us soon. Thanks. I've never felt before in my current state and in these days of war. We must grow together or the end is near. Thicken up your skin and loosen up your fears. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting through my limitations, choosing to move.